Okay, so you really want me to watch this Ricky Gervais video. I haven't seen it before, so you're going to get a fresh reaction to it. Um, I think it's quite short, so let's, let's just play it. Yeah. Why, why does the universe exist at all? Why is there something? But surely the big question is not why, but how? Well, why is it irrelevant? Okay, it? fine. How, how is there something? Because you think of God as the prime mover. How is there anything? Well, 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 I don't. I don't. This is this Very is, Catholic. This is, is there a premise. prime mover? If, if is, you, there a, is there a demiurge that started everything? Well, outside science and nature, I don't believe so. Because the, the interesting thing is, th this is the thing, right? So, I, I'm an agnostic atheist, technically. Agnost agnostics um, mean it means no one knows whether there's a God. So everyone's technically agnostic. We don't know. That's true, so that's true. So an agnostic atheist is someone who doesn't know there's a God or not, as no one does. So you're not convicted of your atheism. Well, I am. Sure. No, I am, because atheism is only rejecting the claim that there is a God. Atheism isn't a belief system. Mm -hmm. Atheism... So this is, this is atheism in a nutshell. You say, um, uh, there's a God. I say, can you prove that? You say no. I say, I don't believe you then. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you believe in one God, I assume? Uh, in three persons, but go ahead. Okay, so you believe... Okay. So, but there, there are... We won't go there. ...thousands <laughs> to choose from that have been, you know, people who believe in... I've done time. some reading, yeah. Okay, yeah. so... Ricky's so counted all of them. You believe in... You, you, you deny one less God than I do. You don't believe in 2,999 gods, uh -huh. and I don't believe in just one more. Right. <laughs> Do you, do, you, uh, do you ever have a feeling of great gratitude for existence? I love, of course. Do you I, ever have I know, a, I know, I know the have, chances are yeah. billions to one that I am on this planet as me and never will be again. And I know I uh, can't convince you that there, there is a God, nor do I really want to convince you there's a God, but no. I can only explain my experience, which is that I have a strong desire to direct that gratitude toward something or of someone. Of course, no, of yeah. course. And that, I mean, thing, is, that thing is God. We're mortal. We, don't, we, we want to we make sense of nature and science, and, we, and it's too unfathomable that... That everything in the universe was once crunched into something smaller than an atom. But you don't Three... know that. Well, you're just believing but, Stephen but not, Hawking, but, and that's a matter of faith it? in his abilities. Yeah, the, yes, you don't know it yourself. Oh, you're oh. accepting that because someone told you. Yeah. Well, but science science is constantly proved all the time. You see, if we take something like any fiction, <laughs> in any holy book, in any other fiction, yeah. and destroyed it, yeah. okay. In a thousand years' time, that wouldn't come back just as it was. Yes. Whereas if we took every science book, yes. right, and every fact, and destroyed them all, in a thousand years, they'd all be back, because all the same tests would be the same result. That's good. That's really good. Okay, so, so let's stop it there. Go back to the beginning. So, right. wait, so why did you want... Why do you think this is particularly worth critiquing? Because it's... Because it's, it's short and it packs in pretty much. Well, no, it's what I mean is it's short yeah. and it packs in so many arguments yeah. that are at the fundamental core arguments of kind of um, what you can call the new atheist movement, of which Ricky Gervais is a popularizer. Yeah. So it's it's a very good opportunity to look at it, hmm. um, you know, from the tongue of somebody who is quite eloquent. Um, with respect to his beliefs and his views. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of getting the best version of the argument being put in a public well, audience. Well, it's in catchphrases, but it conveys the essence of, of, the, of the popular arguments quite well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could you go back to the beginning and then we'll just play it and I want, I'll tell you when I want you to pause and we'll take it one by one, I think. Okay. So just go, go right to the, get back to why, the beginning. Why does the universe exist at all? Why is there something? But surely the big question is not why, but how. Well, why is it irrelevant? Okay, it? fine. 
how, how is there something? Because you think of God as the prime mover. How is there anything? Well, well, I don't. Of I don't. This is this is a, a ridiculous. Is there a premise. prime mover? If, if is you, there a, is it, there a demiurge that started everything? Well, outside science and nature, I don't believe so. Because okay, stop it there. Stop it there. So outside science and nature, he doesn't believe um, that anything exists. Basically, okay. Mm -hmm. Now. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> there because science and nature are not the same thing. Yeah. Um, science isn't a place. Yeah. Right. Um, nature isn't a place. Yeah. Okay. So what he's using as science and nature there is kind of a catch-all phrase for things that have been proven to exist. Well, he's basically saying, so what he's really saying is outside of science and nature, I don't believe in things that don't exist. Yeah. And by implication, which he makes more explicit later, he says, therefore, he's basically ruling out the existence of God. Yeah, so he's, he's positing from the beginning of the conversation that, that you God cannot have a prime mover, you cannot nature. have an, uh, an entity which is independent of nature, which has created it. Because yeah. he says outside of science and nature, I don't believe these things can exist, which is another way of saying, I think science, you can only define um, science as including everything apart from God. Yeah. So science and God have to be exclusive. Yeah. And nature, now nature is really just a word that's really used for reality. It usually means, yeah. you know, uh, material reality. Yeah. But the deeper question is what is ultimate reality? Yeah. And what he's therefore asserting is that material reality is ultimate reality, yeah. which means his argument is, is already circular because he's saying, I only believe in things which are material yeah. and which can be um, investigated, let's be generous, purely through the means of science. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he's saying God, God cannot be part of that. Yeah. Okay, so that that's that's already um, circular because he's ruling out the fact or the idea, the possibility that science can uncover evidence for the existence of God. Yeah, and he's also ruling out the possibility that God is ultimate reality and is ultimate nature. Yeah, so he is saying I'm being so rational because I believe in science and nature. Yeah, but he's actually saying I I am rejecting the possibility a priori from the beginning yeah. that science can lead to the existence of a transcendental entity that is eternal and that is creative, yeah. which created the universe. Yeah. And I'm rejecting the possibility that that transcendental entity is ultimate nature, is ultimate reality. Yeah. So in the name of openness and open-mindedness, which is what the new atheists like Ricky um, purport to represent, he is actually from the get-go excluding yeah. Um, you know, religion or religious claims from even having a seat at the table. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a it's a closed-minded actually um, uh, belief. Yeah. System. It's kind of like a catch-all phrase of saying I believe in truth and I don't believe in anything other than truth, but you believe in falsehood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the get-go. I mean, what do you make of his kind of um, talking about nature or the laws of nature? And he goes on to talk about the lower laws of nature. I think I uh, can't remember. I think he talks talks about the laws of nature a little bit and talks about how. Well, that's kind of what nature is about, isn't it? He's yeah. using the word nature to, to as a casual phrase for the laws of nature or what is the discovered laws of nature. So what do you make of this kind of starting point from the laws of nature? I mean, people a lot of the time take it as a starting point. And it's it's weird because, you know, it's a kind of a modern day version of sun worshipping, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, people used to worship the sun because they're like, oh, there's this big golden globe in the sky, which is giving us all light. Hmm. Right. And so it's really, it's really beneficial to us. So they were taking the sun as the starting point. They were taking a material thing as the starting point. Well, and also, you know, part of the irrationality of being a sun worshiper is because there's no evidence that praying to the sun can actually affect things on earth, that, that you're praying to something which has 
and you're putting, uh, you're at, at, attributing an entity, i.e., here the sun, with powers that it doesn't seem to have, and there's no evidence that it actually has. Yeah, that's yeah. part of why you know it's such an irrational thing to do. Yeah, um, and is and, and that's mean, exactly what they do with the laws of nature. Okay, right. That's what new atheists do with the laws of nature because they what what Ricky he doesn't make this explicit here, but this is part of the new atheist and the well, really this has actually been this isn't just new atheism. This is older atheism. This is atheism. It's basically that um, ever since the time of Democritus, etc., that the materialists say that all that really exists are the laws of nature. Yeah. Okay. And I can explain everything through the laws of nature. Yeah. And this is what Stephen Hawking says. This is what Dawkins says. And the, and Dawkins has actually said that he reveres the laws of nature. Okay. So it's almost like this this relationship of you know of of religious fervor for the laws of nature. And the laws of nature are invoked to actually explain everything. They can explain apparently the creation of the universe. This is a great sentence from Stephen Hawking, where he says, I think this is basically the quote. He says, um, actually, can I can I get the quote? Can I get the quote? I'm going to get the quote. I think the universe was spontaneously created out of nothing according to the laws of science. I think the universe was spontaneously created out of nothing according to pre-existing laws. Okay, fine. So, I mean, that, that kind of goes to uh, demonstrate that they put so much stock in these laws. And actually, when you think about the laws of nature, you actually think, what does that mean? What, mm -hmm. is, what does a law of nature mean? Yeah. What it actually means is that throughout history, we've observed that things behave in certain ways from, you know, planets, which is how it originally was. And then we've, with our modern technology and modern investigation, we've understood that particles behave in certain ways. Yeah. And we're able to abstract certain mathematical equations, which can um, probabilistically um, give a description of how they're going to move, right? Yeah. So the and, and, and quantum mechanics kind of makes it all a bit fuzzy anyway. But you can have a very good probabilistic um, uh, prediction of how things are going to move, yeah. And how how particles are going to behave, and therefore how the how the biggest entities are going to yeah. behave. Yeah, yeah. But they're not perfect, and they can't explain everything. And that's the idea of a dream of a final theory that yeah. unifies unifies everything. But if you think about what is a law, then what we're really saying, what the, what they take it to be, is it's a mathematical equation. Yeah. But how does a mathematical equation actually enforce itself on a particle? Yeah. Because you have particles that are separated by 100 galaxies, and they can behave in exactly the same way. So there's something that is connecting them. Yeah. There is something which is underlying which is regulating their behavior yeah. to act in a certain way what is that which is diffusely equal throughout space and time yeah it seems to be and 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 time as well because it's it, related to the is related to the inherent nature of the particle rather than to the yeah, because I mean, there's no time traveling physicist or space traveling physicist going ahead to okay, act in this way, and then this particle act in the same way, yeah, right? Yeah. So there must be something uh, underpinning things, right? And that's why they they that's why they say that there's a law, which is this mathematical equation. But a mathematical equation cannot enforce itself on any particle. Yeah, this is the key point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How does a mathematical equation actually enforce itself and regulate that behavior? It can't because all it is is an abstract thing. Well, actually, it's the mathematical abstract, equation... It's, it's just a description of how something works. Well, well, it's the not prescriptive. Yeah, well, the mathematical equation is actually a derivative of the observation of the particle's behavior. Yeah. We're observing the particle's behavior, its habit, as Rupert Sheldrake describes it, yeah. rather than a law. And and from that, we're deriving we're, we're deriving math, mathematical equations. So actually, the mathematical equation is just a descriptive phenomenon Phenomena of what the particle is itself doing. Yeah. So the question is, why is it doing that? Why is it doing that? Why is it acting <laughs> in that way? Yeah. And and just saying there's a law of nature 
doesn't explain anything. No, because actually it's self, it's self, it's, it's circular because you're saying um, this thing is doing this because it's a law of nature. What is that thing? Oh, well, well, that's the law of nature. What's the law of nature? It's the thing doing that thing. Yeah. So it's like, well, the law is the behavior and the behavior is the law. So you can't derive the behavior and attribute it to the law when the law is itself a description of the behavior. Yeah, and actually the whole thing doesn't make sense actually because it's a, well, it can only make sense in one particular way. And, and I've got and, the evidence for it. Okay. I've got I've got an example of how it has been applied in a rational fashion. The right. concept of law, and I'd like to put it to you. So chapter 41, verse 12 of the Quran hmm. actually has a statement which is um, actually related to the specific question of a law of nature. Okay? So it says, speaking about God, okay? So God says in the Quran, then he, in other words, God's talking about himself, then he turned to the heaven while it was something like smoke and said to it and to the earth, come ye both of ye willingly or unwillingly? They said, we come willingly. Hmm. Okay, now heaven and earth are classic phrases in the history of everything, which means basically the universe, everything, heaven yeah. and earth, okay, material phenomenon of all types, okay? And here God basically applies an injunction on it, hmm. on heaven and earth, on all of it, it says to both of them, while they're in a state of like something like smoke, okay, hmm. in a pre, in a pre-formed existed state, okay? It said, come ye willingly or unwillingly? That's what a law is. Hmm. A law is... You have a government, you say to the citizens, all right, you're all going to pay tax now. We're increasing the tax from 45p on the pound to 46p on the pound. Yeah. You know, it's whether you like it or not. Yeah. This is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. It's the, in, it's the imposition of will upon matter. Yes. That's what a law is. And that's exactly what is described in the Quran in this verse. And the difference with this is, is that God has willing citizens, whereas governments don't, don't often have willing citizens because heaven and earth reply, we come willingly. Yeah. And actually analyzing that further, we can, we can, I think, I think understand exactly what the true reality is, because as you said, a law is something which a sovereign power imposes yeah. and the better the obedience to that law, the better the behavior. Yeah. Right, the more regulated the behavior, so the more uniform, the more uniform the behavior. So, if you're seeing a universe full of incredibly well-regulated behavior that is faultless, yes, it indicates the existence of a sovereign with absolute power mm. that cannot be disobeyed. Yeah. Now, let's think about that in the human realm. In the human realm, we have nations which some of them are more lawless and have much weaker governments, and some of them have much better governments. Yeah. And one of the key features of a more developed nation and one with better governments is one in which you have um, better regulation of people's behaviors because people are more accountable to the law. Yes. Right? You have less corruption. Yeah. You have people following speed limits, et cetera. Yeah. Whereas in a nation which doesn't have a strong government, doesn't have strong um, you know, police system and, and court system. Yeah, they call it ungoverned spaces. It's an ungoverned space and people, people behave in unregulated ways. Yeah. Whereas if you have a complete fascist kind of you know, um, government with no freedom, yeah. then you're going to have uh, almost near perfect um, obedience to the law as much as possible. Until they rebel, because they rebel, human nature is not as heaven and earth completely obedient. Yes, and that, that's that's indeed one of the, uh, the the differences is that, you know, humans, you can say they can um, obey God's laws, but unwillingly. Yeah, right. Everyone has to, in the, in the end, obey God's laws, <laughs> but they can they can try and do it unwillingly. Well, it's funny, and the eventually Quran, they bend the Quran, to it. God says something very similar in terms of to human beings. Hmm. So in this different verse of the Quran, the same phrase is applied willingly or unwillingly, you will have to obey me, Yeah, God says to human beings. So let's move on from that. So I think we've addressed that really nicely, that this concept of the law of nature is incoherent. 
yeah. actually. Um, well, it's it's a, it, no, no, it's not incoherent. It's only coherent if you assume that there is actually a sovereign power that can impose the law. It is a metaphor that has been extracted from human governments and human behaviors and is applied to the mathematical and the physical realm, but it doesn't make sense unless you also have the other part of the metaphor there, unless you also have some kind of power that is imposing itself. And the evidence is good. Like it's a, it's a good inference that there is a law of nature. We're not saying there are no laws of nature. Because it, you know, you have to have something which is yeah, well, regulated. This is saying behaviors. there is a law of nature as well. Yeah, but they have to come from a power which can impose. Sure, its but will Ricky on Gervais starting at the laws of nature and saying, "I only believe in the laws of nature, nothing else." Yeah, it's like believing the hand without the arm. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like believing in one part of thing without the wider context, and it doesn't make sense by itself. Okay, well, let's go on to the next point he made. So, can you continue playing? So usually cool. that. So I, I'm an agnostic atheist, technically. Agnostic, agnostics um, mean it means no one knows whether there's a god. So everyone's technically agnostic. That's not true. That's not true. Okay, stop there. Just pause it. So every so nobody knows whether there is a god or not. Yeah. Okay. So what do you so make of that statement? That's a belief. That's a that's a claim of belief. Okay. He is saying that it is impossible to verify the existence of God for, yeah. for every individual. Yeah. And again, therefore has an atheistic premise. Yeah. Right. Because if God exists, as we believe God exists, yeah. then he is able surely to prove his existence. Yeah. At least to individuals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that is part of the religious belief system. Yeah. He is saying that's impossible. Yeah. So what he's doing is he's taking all of the claims of religious people that God spoke to me this time, this time, this time. And that there's evidence in scripture and religious books, etc. And he's saying all of that's junk. Yeah. Okay. He's and saying that's lies. Is everybody saying that's lies, yeah. right? That's all junk. And uh, everybody knows it. <laughs> okay. And, and everybody at home is like, well, well, no, hold on a second. We don't agree with you on that. But he's taking it as a kind of, again, a priori He's taking it as thing. a premise. A premise, exactly. Yeah, so he takes... He seems to be quite good at that. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this is a bit, the whole whole video is him saying, he's being a bit religion, religion is nonsense, and that's my premise. Religion is irrational, and I'm a rational man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in irrational things. You don't believe, you believe in irrational You don't believe in irrational things. Well, then you obviously don't believe that religion is true. Oh, right. Okay. Well, we've got even got like videos on our, um, on rational religion on our YouTube channel. Um, you know, one particular Ahmadi Muslim who's had such experiences whereby God has made himself manifest to him yeah. um, through personal spiritual experiences. And he's recounted some of those, um, on his, on our YouTube channel. But in reality, uh, that's just one guy out of a whole very large community of Ahmadi Muslims. And there are so many other examples, not only in the history of Islam, but also in the history of other religious texts as well. Yeah. And you have to be very close-minded, I think, to kind of say, well, you know, all of these people disparate in time and place mm. in human history, they're all liars. Yeah. Right? They haven't experienced anything simply because I haven't experienced it. Yeah. That's a very arrogant position to take. It is. It is. And it's also, I mean, even if someone is to say, okay, that that's, you know, I'm not going to believe in any of these accounts. Okay, fair enough. If you haven't looked into it, whatever. Yeah. Right. And we have that signs of the living God, a playlist on our rational religion channel, which, yeah. you know, is of one individual. We're not necessarily right now saying, uh, obviously we believe them to be true, but our, our critique is not that these things are true. It's that religious people at least claim that they're true. Yeah. We claim that, that knowledge of God is you can have, um, verifiable uh your belief in god can be verifiable yeah that it's not something which you either believe in purely through faith yeah you can actually have it as a matter of knowledge yeah. and that can be through personal revelation and personal contact with god be through answered prayers yeah. it can be through um scriptural prof scriptural prophecies which you read which come th 
true. Yeah. And you think this scripture could not have come from anyone other than God. Yeah. Right. And some things we're going to go through in a bit. Yeah. Um, so, so Ricky is wrong here because he is making the claim that belief in God is, is unverifiable and that and religious people knows say it. the same. And religious people say yeah, the same. Yeah. And, and maybe it's. And Colbert gets him get away with it. Colbert yeah. lets him get away with that. Well, I think it's actually because he's talking to a, to a Catholic and a Christian. Yeah. A lot of. Um, Who do believe that it is a matter of faith and it's not certainty. Yeah. But the vast majority will, will actually believe that, that you can't have certainty. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why, but that's not representative of all religions. So, yeah. so let's, let's continue. Yeah. yeah, let's continue. So an agnostic atheist is someone who doesn't know there's a God or not, as no one does. So you're not convicted of your claim. atheism? Well, I am. Sure. No, I am, because atheism is only rejecting the claim that there is a God. Atheism isn't a belief system. Okay, so stop there, stop there, stop there. So he said two things right there. He said two things. He, he's coming out with, with, with you know, absolute... Um, corkers. Corkers. <laughs> every other syllable. Okay, so the first thing he said was he, he doesn't... He says he doesn't know if there is God, but he rejects the claim that there is with conviction. <laughs> Surely that's like an inherent contradiction. It's like, I don't know if there is a God or not. I'm agnostic, but I definitely don't believe there is one. Yeah, which means that you... Which means you are holding a position of strength and conviction on something of which you are unsure about. If you're saying that I am certain that your claim that there is a God is false, right? It can only mean one of two things. Either you are sure that there is no God, or you are sure that to make that claim is incoherent, right? Okay. And I think maybe he's saying that it's the latter. Let's be generous. But no, that's not. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he believes. He's saying he said, "Are you not convicted of your atheism? Do you not have conviction in your atheism?" He said, "I do have conviction in my atheism." Yeah. So conviction in your atheism means atheism isn't that I yeah, believe be that you're. It, it's it's because he believes that there is no god. Yeah, because yeah. So <laughs> he's not saying my atheism is that I think that your belief is illogical. Well, so I'm absolutely certain your belief is illogical, but I'm still not sure whether there is a god uh, or not. He's saying I'm absolutely sure there isn't a god. Yeah. Right? He said, well, he's saying, I, I strongly believe, I should say. He's saying, I strongly believe. He's not saying I'm absolutely sure there is no God. He's saying, I strongly believe there is no God. And that your claim, and that I have conviction that your claim is And I is have false. conviction in that hmm. belief that there is no God. But I'm an agnostic and I don't know whether there is a God or not. Those two things are inherently contradictory. Because if you genuinely do not know if there is a God or not, you cannot surely have conviction that there is no God. There's, hmm. a, there's a clear... and obvious contradiction <laughs> one word to the next yeah it's like me saying i'm not sure if there is a god or not but i absolutely believe that there is a god <laughs> what <laughs> yeah <laughs> no you know it doesn't make any sense and then it's followed by another blind atheism is not a belief system atheism is not a belief system so which is hilarious because at the beginning he said i don't believe in anything outside science and nature yeah yeah, and he also believes that you can't have um, proof of God, that 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 the belief in God cannot be verifiable. Yeah, he's list literally listed the doctrines of his belief yeah. system prior to getting. So this the isn't same. a belief system. It's like a super injunction, isn't it? <laughs> well, what, what, what are you about belief system? Well, no, no one's talking about that. What's that? I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, so what what do you mean by their atheism is a belief system? I mean, he spelled it out. He, he through through his implicit premises, which he's basically made explicit by this point. Atheism is a belief system. Yeah, atheism is the belief system. 
that there is no God, i.e. there is no transcendental eternal entity that has created the universe. Yeah. And therefore, that you can explain the origin and the evolution of the universe throughly, purely through material means, yeah. i.e. through matter, energy, and the laws of nature. Yeah, which okay. you take as a starting point. Which you take as your starting point is there's laws of nature which somehow kind of always existed like as, as Stephen Hawking said I think the universe was spontaneously created out of nothing according to the laws of nature uh, <laughs> <laughs> the laws of science um, right so or you, Lawrence Krauss I mean the famous yeah, New well, York yeah. Times uh, but Hawking actually was the was a pioneer of, of a lot of this kind of cosmology stuff I mean this New York Times review of Lawrence Krauss's book but like, like, that's a different video that's a different I video. know but that's it's such video. such such a good that new, I think the t the review of it was that got more got more famous than the book yeah 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 and he, he pulled out of any conference where um, that guy was present. Really? <laughs> yeah. Or at least one that I know. Anyway, so like, like what we're saying is that the um, atheism is a belief system because you have to believe, you have to, you have to believe that everything in the universe can be explained purely through matter, energy, and the laws of nature, right? And you take those as your premises, as things that exist. So what's the problem with that? Because, you know, in a way he doesn't begin, see, it's because what if all these things are created? Well, obviously, but I mean, I guess the biggest problem is, is that, well, hold on a second. There was a time when none of these things existed. Yeah. So how do you get from a state where nothing existed? And that's what he said. Colbert said at the beginning, he said, you don't believe in a prime mover. Hmm. You know, Colbert immediately understands the necessity for a beginning for, or for, for a, for a for prime an eternal mover, entity, for an which eternal entity, which, which, which begins material things because you know, prior to the Big Bang, and I know we've had discussions with atheists about what's a prior to the Big Bang really mean because time began with the Big Bang for this universe. Mm. But causally prior, yes. And unless you want to posit that nothing created the universe, yeah, right. If you have to, if you accept the principle that the universe had to have commenced, yeah, right, right, that there had to have been a causal commencement to it, there has to be a causal thing by which the universe went into a state of inflation. If you accept that, which seems pretty basic, yeah, right, um, then you have to accept that these laws of nature had a point. Had a, there was, there was a causal state in which these laws of nature didn't exist. Yeah, but they, 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 they. This is, this is. I mean, this is a massive problem with, uh, with one day cosmology and atheism. They're trying to. They're constantly trying to undo the Big Bang. Hawking, having done yeah. amazing work on the singularity, which was, you know, the the early state of the Big Bang. Um, then try to undo it with invoking imaginary numbers and literally that's a term for them, imaginary numbers. Um, and unfortunately using somewhat imaginary logic in yeah. order to say that you don't need a beginning, you don't need anything like that. So, I mean, it's a massive obvious flaw, which, which Cobb actually points out, um, to a degree, but yeah, atheism is, is a belief system, belief that matter, energy, and the laws of nature can both produce the origin of the universe and direct its evolution. Yeah. Obviously has big problems, as we've said. Where do the laws of nature come from? Where do matter and energy come from? Fine-tuning. Yeah. Fine-tuning the laws of nature as well, which is, again, a whole different topic. Okay, let's go on to the next point. So he goes on and says... Let's watch it. Yeah, let's go on to the next point he makes. So this is atheism in a nutshell. You say, um, uh, there's a God. I say, can you prove that? You say, no. I say, I don't believe you then. Mm -hmm. So um, you believe in one God, I assume. Uh, in three persons, but go ahead. Okay, so you believe, okay. Mm -hmm. So, but there, there are about 3,000 to choose from that have been, you know, people who believe in I've done time. some reading, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, so basically... What do you, you say? I've done some reading. Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Go on. In, you, you, you deny 
one less God than I do. You don't believe in 2,999 gods, uh -huh. and I don't believe in just one more. Right. All right, stop there. Go on, stop there. So what do you make of that? Horses for courses, shall we call it? Well, yeah, but I mean, the, the, the obvious answer is, yeah, but it's the one that counts. Right. <laughs> in, in the sense of, you have to have at least one God. Yeah. Right? If you're, because yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a huge difference between zero and one. <laughs> Quite big. 100%, you could say. Okay? So that's the one that actually counts. Because what we're really talking about is... What's a, what's a, what's a sufficient explanation yeah, for is the there creation? A yeah. Sorry, Celia. Yeah, go on. I mean, you got it. You got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, how, we need an adequate explanation, a sufficient explanation for the existence of the material universe and its subsequent evolution. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, whether you say it's one god or a hundred gods, yeah, you know, that becomes a slightly different debate. It becomes a theological. It becomes debate. a theological debate about uh, the necessity for, necessity for a for a unified creator or a disparate creator, or, or the evidence of nature, whether it reflects yeah. the creation of one god or the creation of multiple gods. But at the end of the day, what you have to be positing, the argument goes, is a transcendental, eternal entity that has created the universe and yeah. which directs it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you accept the arguments that the universe could not have just ex you know, exploded into existence by itself, yeah. and that the um, if there are laws of nature, they need to be uh, enforced, yes. and that the universe cannot just go moment to moment uh, after its beginning without any other any other direction, yeah, right, and that I don't know evolution was directed, and that humans have free will, and we have it, consciousness, and, and that we have consciousness, and that prayers can be answered, and that religious scripture um, has prophecies, true prophecies. Then you have to posit, uh, which basically all you know, everything I've said, almost everything I've said, you know, is across majority, all religions. Vast majority of religions believe in, in almost either all of them, or almost all of them, right? Yeah, you have to posit uh, a, a, a prime mover, a transcendental. Uh, creator yeah. that is eternal, that has always existed, which begins universes. Yeah. At least what our universe. At least our one. So yeah. you have to say that there is something there, that there is something yeah. behind it, which we call God, right? Now, now he's actually, let's, before we even go to multiple gods, he's actually again making a false claim here, which is that all of the different um, entities posited by different cultures are different, are different, uh, are different beings. Are different beings, exactly. Well, as you know, as, as I'm sure you can tell us, you know, that's, that's just not true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's go to a rational religion article. I think it was, uh, do we all? What's the what's the article we've got up? Do we all just believe in some gods? A countryside story. Yeah, we can we can we can put that in the link. We'll below. put that in the link below. Yeah, okay, fine. fine. Yeah, that's actually fine. I mean, the the point is is put simply in this article very nicely um, by uh, I think it was you, wasn't no, it? No, was, was it? Yeah, I, I think can't so. remember. So the mirror, the mirror. Yeah, it was oh, you. It was me. It was you. It was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back so in the day, it was. It wasn't really you. It was actually. You yeah, just it take was, it was the the same caliph, so the, the same caliph of the caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, in which he he kind of makes this point that if I see, if I see, go on, you tell the story. You wrote it. You know, you know quite well. Well, the example he gave essentially is that um, if you see, uh, I think he, I used horses. He's, I think he says horsemen. You know, same difference. Um, he says that if you have, if you're in a village, and you have heard from someone, yeah that um, there were 10 horses or horsemen running across the village, right? Yeah. So you go Through on, the okay. village, yeah. Through the village. 10 horsemen running through the village, okay? Yeah. Yes. Big news that day. Big news, big news. That's, okay, that's, that's odd. That's not every you, day. you go down... Are they go... the harbinger of the Mongolian invasion? I don't know. So you have heard that there are 10 horsemen. Then you go down the road and you hear someone else say that there were six horsemen that came through the village. And you say six. I heard there were 10. <laughs> there were definitely six. Someone can't count. There were definitely six horsemen. And then you go down... And then you hear someone says three horsemen. Okay, yeah. let's say. 
And then and then you meet someone who says one horseman. And then you go down and you meet someone who says, you know, four horsemen. Does it make sense to say, given that I have all of these varying reports on the number of gods, there are no horsemen? Number of horses. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Does it make sense to say that given all these varying reports on the number of horsemen that ran through the village, therefore there were zero horsemen? It's all made up. Yeah. And, and there was no truth. Like that's obviously an absurd inference to make. Yeah. The correct inference is to say there was at least once, at least one. Yeah. And maybe what's happened is there was one and then someone maybe saw it from a different angle. Um, and then they thought, you know, or at different times they thought there were two. And maybe it's been Chinese whispers. Maybe there were 10 and or they split up into and, yeah. four different groups. And then yeah. some one guy saw two, one guy saw when they were in one group, one guy saw when they were yeah. into two groups. You don't know. And so the analogy is, um, and this is slightly different to what he's saying, but it's worth covering as well. The analogy is, is that just because there's some religions which are polytheistic and that believe in more than one God, um, that does not make evidence that there is no God at all, yeah. right? It's yeah. just then a question of the number. Essentially, yeah. it doesn't make more sense to say one or two or three or three persons or a thousand or whatever, right? Mm. That's a different question. All of those for the question for the um, you know the actual question at hand: what is a sufficient explanation for the material universe? You can say that actually they do answer it to at least a good degree. Yeah, much better than atheism, which says oh the laws of nature did it. Did the laws of nature exist? No. Oh. <laughs> right, that doesn't make sense. The second thing, you know, more applicable to what Ricky has said is that he has said that all the different religious cultures have, believe in different gods. Yeah, which we don't. I mean, no, no, no Muslim would say that the God of the Jews was different to Allah. Yeah. Or the God of Jesus was different to Allah. Or the God of the original Hindus yeah. was different to Allah. Or the God of the Aboriginal Australians to whom they worshipped was different to Allah. These are the names. And, and this is what it says in the Quran. Call him by, you know, his, to him belong the most beautiful names. Hmm. You know, call him, call him by those beautiful names. And they, they, they manifest in different languages because yeah. people speak different languages under different names. Yeah. But fundamentally, they all point to the same. Fundamentally, they always point to the same attributes. Exactly. And that's the key thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's about it's about you know whatever you whatever label you put on it. Yeah, invariably, all these different religious cultures are believing in a creative, transcendental entity. Yeah, it's always that, existed. That has that has always existed, which produced the world. Yeah, which has given you moral laws, and if you don't follow them, you're going to be accountable, right? Either in an afterlife or through like reincarnation. If you you know that's that's what later came the idea of re reincarnation, another material yeah. lives. Either way, it's actually all the same kind of things. And the Quran talks about this. It says you know, uh, we we sent a messenger to every people, and it also says I've got it right saying, here, chapter sixteen, verse thirty-seven. And we did raise among every people a messenger preaching, worship Allah, the one God, and shun the evil one. Then among them were some whom Allah guided, and among them were some who became deserving of ruin. So travel through the earth and see what was the end of those who treated the prophets as liars. Hmm. So I mean, worship God and shun the evil one. That's the basic message God is saying I gave to every people through their messengers. Yeah. You know, which is which is the picture of religious history. Anyway, let's go on to the next point. Well, can I can I just say one thing? It's yeah, give that it. it's it's just fundamentally very simplistic for atheists to 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 see different labels and think these are different entities. It's like it's like if I'm let's, you know, you're you're Daher, but to your to your wife, she may have a different name to you. She may have and your friends may have a nickname. They call you Nas, right? Yeah. And to your kids, your dad. Yeah. Right, and it's saying it's like it's like the equivalent of saying, "Well, there are, there's like four different dahers, and there's these completely different entities." <laughs> no, <laughs> I call you Pajan, right? I call you brother. Yeah, yeah. Right. So just because an entity has different names doesn't mean it has multiple existences. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a very good analogy, actually. So I didn't make it up. I heard it somewhere. Probably from Caliph of the Hindu community. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go on. Go on. Continue. Do do uh, do you ever have a feeling of great gratitude for existence? 
I love, of course. Do you I, ever have I know, a, I know, I know the have, chances are yeah. billions to one that I am on this planet as me and never will be again. And I know I uh, can't convince you that there, there is a God, nor do I really want to convince you there's a God, but no. I can only explain my experience, which is that I have a strong desire to direct that gratitude toward something or of someone. Of course, no, of yeah. course. And that but, thing is, that thing is God. We're mortal. We don't, we want to, we want to make sense of nature and science. And, we, and it's too unfathomable that, that, that that everything in the universe was once crunched into something smaller than an atom. But you don't Three... know that. Well... You're just believing but, Stephen but not, Hawking, but, and that's a matter of faith it? in his abilities. Yeah, the, yes. You don't know it yourself. You're accepting that because someone told you. Yeah. Okay, well, stop it there. Now that's... I mean, I didn't want to stop it there. There's actually... A, I didn't actually... I, we have another point after this to you know, yeah. want to cover, but I think that's a really good point. Yeah, he does that very Colbert, well. And he did that really nicely because he left it, left it hanging hmm. as if he didn't believe in the Big Bang. Yeah. So it's like, but you don't know that. Hmm. And then he's like, do you not believe in the Big Bang? Like, that was the question when I first watched it. And then he pulls out his move, which is, hmm. you only, okay, yeah, we believe that. Yeah, fine. But it's only because you believe in Stephen Hawking and you have faith in him. You don't know that personally. Yeah. And that's a fantastic point hmm. because actually he's pointing out that this belief system he does actually hold, which is scientism. Yeah. Right. Which is that he accepts the claims of, the, of science in their entirety. Um, is actually just no, nothing more than faith. Yeah. He has pure faith in the established mainstream scientific positions of the day. But, yeah. you know, and, and let's just continue because this... Well, this can, this can, can I just add one thing to that? Yeah, sure. Um, which is that it's, it's, that's exactly right because, you know, atheists will say that religious people are the only people with faith, but everyone, you know, the atheists have faith as well. They have faith in what scientists are telling them. But that doesn't mean it's unjustified faith. No, it's not unjustified, so it, exactly. It, it, it can be justified faith in what science, scientists of certain kinds are telling you. And he makes an argument that it is justified. Yeah, because... but in the same way, you also can't then then write off um, religious faith, yeah. right? Which is really, in the Muslim context, faith means belief on the basis of evidence without complete certainty. Yeah. In the Christian context, unfortunately, it can mean belief in things which... Um, don't have evidence and are logically incoherent. Yeah. So you believe in the, you know... Or, or not, let's be generous, not things that they cannot explain. Okay, I'm, I'm but which they are mysteries. mysteries, which may be logically coherent to a higher intelligence, but not to human beings, but to us. Who created us. Who yeah. created us. Yeah, I know we've got problems with it, but... Okay, yeah, no, I know <laughs> what, what you mean. I'm just trying to say that they do hold... They believe that there is some logic to it, for example, the Trinity, even though it's an arithmetic impossibility, one yeah. is not three and three is not one. Never will the shall the twain meet. Yeah. But they believe there is some dimension in which these potential, <laughs> potential things do make sense. But the point is, is that to us as human beings, yes, they are logically incoherent. Yeah. yeah so in the Christian context, there is you you don't things don't have to really um, make sense in make the here sense, and now. Make sense in the here and now, and you don't necessarily have to have evidence for your beliefs. Where in the Muslim context, faith is belief on the basis of evidence. But I just don't. I'm not 100 sure. Maybe I'm 80 percent sure. Yeah. So that is a difference, and maybe that's has got the backs up of many atheists throughout the ages in the West. I think yeah. It has. Yeah. Yeah. So let's continue with that because he makes a, he makes an addendum point to this, which is worth covering in the same. <laughs> and another thing. No, no. Go on. Go on. Yeah. Well, but science, science is constantly proved all the time. You see. If okay, stop it there. Okay, let's, let's continue. Just run it till the end, then we'll we'll give our final okay, thoughts. Something Go like on. any fiction, in any holy book, in any other fiction, yeah. and destroyed it. Yeah. Okay. In a thousand years' time, that nice would be just as it was. Yes. Whereas if we took every science book, yes. right, and every fact, and destroyed them all, in a thousand years they'd all be back because all the same tests would be the same result. That's good. That's really good. So 
we that's don't, really good. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need faith in science. I don't need faith to know that probably if I jump out of a window. Oh, it ends there. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. <laughs> what happened? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two things he says. He says science has constantly proven true all of the time. This is probably my favorite statement in this lovely little two minute 50 clip. And I think a lot of scientists and atheists would kind of depart with him on that statement. Yeah, well. I, I know. So let's go through a list of some of the scientific ideas of the past that have but been. First, it doesn't make sense. Like science is, a, you know, if science is anything, it's a process of investigation through a certain. It's not a thing. Yeah, it's, it's not a body it's not, of correct knowledge. Body, but that's how they treat it. Yes, right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's exactly. a body of, an, of, of knowledge that is evolving. You know, yeah. and it's a method to investigate. So actually, what well, he said: if you have a book of science and destroyed it a thousand years later, no, it would be completely different. Actually, hmm. it very, you know, if you went to a thousand years ago and you looked at their science, and then oh, you looked at point. our science today, guess what? It's radically different. Hmm. Radically, you could go from Newtonian mechanics to post-Einstein. Radically different. Yeah. Right. You know, so even what we assume to be truths today from the scientific perspective, we yeah. may find that they are outer expressions of inner truths, of, of more subtle realities, which are actually different. Yeah. You know, which actually we didn't understand. We were only looking at a surface view and that surface view is like when you start, you know, you do chemistry, they tell you the outer rings are, of an yeah. atom is goes two and then six and then six and you find it's two, six, eight, sixteen, you know. You know, the number of electrons in the outer rings of the atom. I can't actually remember the correct numbers now, but I just know they lied to us at GCSE. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you know, it just, just blew my mind at A-level. But anyway, um, but scientific ideas that were debunked, you know, origin of the universe. Yeah. You know, Aristotelian, um, Aristotelian, aye, Aristotelian. Aristotelian. Aristotelian, um, you know, concept of the universe, which is that the universe has always existed, it's eternal, Yeah. was blown out the water. Um, by the Big Bang Theory. And the Big Bang Theory was itself a phrase that was used and coined as a derogatory term mm. by the person who first used it. I think it was Fred Hoyle on, yeah. the, on BBC Radio. You know, so it wasn't something that was welcomed. And the reason it wasn't welcomed because whole, you know, suddenly you had a beginning of the universe and therefore you needed a prime mover. Yes. Yeah. The specific problem that cosmologists have been trying to get away from for the last hundred years now since it happened. And Einstein hated the idea of the Big exactly. Bang. Mm. You know, so what's he talking about? Yeah, like 120 years ago, everyone believed the universe was eternal because it's, it's, well, they didn't have evidence for it, but people resisted it, like Einstein, because it was, it was messy. It's like, oh, now we have to think of a creator, you know, and, and people have said, was it Arthur Eddington? I can't remember, said, you know, you could have, um, you could have inferred all, you could infer all the, all the findings of modern physics by reading, um, you know, in the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, beginning of the Bible. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's led us back to that. So yeah. science has always proved right. Firstly, it doesn't make sense because science isn't a body of knowledge, but scientific claims or claims more accurately, claims made by people who call themselves scientists. That's what are, he means. Are proved wrong all the time. Yeah, all the time. So determinism, quantum mechanics was demonstrated to uh, throw that out the window. Phrenology and eugenics. I mean, the goal, the goal to be talking about the claims of science that have been proven true and science is always true after what happened in World War II with the eugenics movement manifesting in the Nazi party. Yeah. I mean, you know, phrenology and eugenics was around for a long time. Whole of the 19th century, they would be studying, you know, psychiatrists would be studying the skull shape of people to determine whether they were, um, 
Was it that long? I don't <clears> think it was that long. No, it was. It was. Yeah. I just watched a really good movie called The Professor and the Madman. All right. <laughs> from, you know, it's situated in 1870, I think, that movie, and they were using phrenology in that movie. So I'm assuming <laughs> that movie was correct. But, you know, <laughs> phrenology was a science throughout the late 19th century, early 20th century. And eugenics post-Darwinism. And eugenics, and came out of that and was part of that, that, you know, they thought that by looking at the skull shape of a person, they could tell whether they were going to be intelligent or well-behaved and a good citizen, etc. Yeah, they did to white people, brown and people, it was all black based people. On, yeah, it was all based on well if you have a shape of a skull like a white male from london <laughs> you were like literally the top of the food chain and if you were black from west africa and you had his yeah. skull shape well then you were an absolutely abysmal creature who had no moral qualities and you were yeah. thick okay yeah. and in, in between depending on where you are on that spectrum was the degree to which you were you know more human more human or more or more animal which is how they saw it so phrenology and eugenics was intimately tied in with you know Cultural yeah, and then, racism. And, and eugenics was founded by um, Galton, Darwin's yeah, brother, Darwin's cousin. Darwin's cousin, Darwin's cousin. Yeah, and then accelerated in in Germany. Exactly. So I mean, you, then you have like the whole of the history of medicine is just basically false. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, no, that I shouldn't say that. A lot of the history of medicine was founded upon incon incorrect. I think a lot of it was based on correct observations, but incorrect explanations for those observations. Like, yeah, probably. I think that's probably a much more fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they try to understand and that's in what the Aristotle, the humors you know, and Aristotle observed and things and then he like tried to infer concepts from that and actually he was like wrong. Well, no, he he did a bit of both, but he did a lot also from the grounds up and and oh, this must be right philosophically, therefore this is true. But he actually kind of did both. So tell everybody what the ether is. I mean, I don't know that well, but <laughs> but it's it's widely known as a discredited theory that um there was like this invisible uh, medium through which the whole which kind of inhabited the whole of space and some people say you know maybe those aspects of it are correct but it was widely deemed to actually have had no evidence and then um and then debunked um it'll but, probably be found to be true in 200 years in some yeah, way shape knows, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so then martian canals yeah so this was based on observations of mars through telescopes and they thought that there were canals because they saw contours um and then it came out that there was um a different that there was there was a different explanation for that uh, based on the geological processes. But at the time, they thought they were canals. Yeah, and interestingly, and that, that led to um, speculations of... Um, I mean, it wasn't all scientists that believed this, for sure, but some people did. And it led to speculations that there's a Martian civilization. Okay, and there's spontaneous generation? Yeah, the idea that um, germs basically come out of nothing, right? Yeah, instead of invading from the outside. Yeah. Which is, you know, demonstrated false by the Swan Pasteur. Pasteur, Swan Neck Flask experiment. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, this is basically Ricky Gervais taking all things that are true, saying again, oh, that, that's me. I yeah. believe in things that are true. <laughs> you people believe in all things that are false. And he's, he's forgetting the fact that science... I believe in good, that you believe in bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, he's, he's forgetting the fact that actually the history of science is littered with more theories that are false than theories that are true. Mm. Okay. And, and he's taking, he's assuming that everything that he believes now is correct. Yeah. Whereas a Ricky Gervais in a hundred years would be saying, you know, uh, you know, obviously not those series; those oh, just, those are wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, that was wrong. But what we know is correct. And a hundred years ago, he would have been espousing the the value of phrenology and eugenics, perhaps. I mean, yes. Yeah, Who knows? Someone, someone in his, someone uh, in his position, perhaps. Absolutely. So again, okay, so he said every science book if destroyed in a thousand years would all be back the same. That's false. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it might be same. Yeah. Right. Nobody's going to stop believing gravity is a thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of it might be different. What about religious books? If every religious book was destroyed, okay, and he brought it back in a thousand years, would his observations stand the test of time? Well, he's put his foot in it there in a bit, especially <laughs> with Muslims, because I mean, the you know, in in the 
uh, in the Quran, there are many, many verses which talk about non-scientific phenomena, which are um, have found to be incredibly accurate and have a surprising value. Like they're they're they're, they're surprising things which aren't inherently obvious. Um, in fact, that some of them. Go are very on, give odd. us some. Well, I've got some slides. So this I'm... is from a, a forthcoming um, presentation to which we're going to do on the channel. Um, but I've just got a few highlights here. So this is one. So this verse. is from fourteen hundred years ago. This isn't a thousand years ago. We're talking fourteen hundred years ago. We're you know we're cranking up the the uh, impossibility factor. the impossibility factor here. Yeah. yeah. So this is chapter twenty one thirty one. Um, thirty. It'll be thirty in some grants. Yeah. Uh, do not those who disbelieve see that the heavens and the earth were a closed up mass? Then we opened them out and we made from water every living thing. Do not those who disbelieve. So this is directly to someone like Ricky, those who are agnostic atheists, and he's, just, he's still not sure. Do not those who disbelieve <laughs> see that the heavens and the earth were a closed up mass, a ratak or a ratkan is the word used, and then we opened them out. And um, if you look at this word, ratak, ratkan, what it means is a dense um, conglomeration or a dense point and it also means like a uniform, yeah. like a uniform joining, basically. Homo homogeneity of some yeah, sort. Yeah, homogeneity. And one lexicon, Lisan uh, al-Arab, indicates darkness. Yeah. So it's like a homogeneous, dark, mass joining, joined entity is basically what it means. And yeah. then we open them out and we made from water every living thing, right? And if that's, that is um, a remarkably true claim. And it's a remarkably odd claim in a way as well, isn't it? It's not obvious that the universe has come from a single homogeneous dark point. Yeah, and it's not obvious that non-Muslims would discover it. Yeah, which is in, which is implied by do not those who disbelieve see. Yeah, right? it's, it indicates it's such a, it's such a universally well, it will become such a universally known phenomenon. And the interesting thing is, it's C. It's what? It's a. It's do not do they not see? And how was yeah. how was the Big Bang discovered? How was the how how was it really discovered? It was discovered by the redshift of galaxies, which was seen. Yeah. Right. It was, a lot of observation it, it, was, it, yeah. it was all of observation in the discovery of the Big Bang. It was that the, the red shift... It's literally about the light spectrum. Yeah. Right? It's not a, it's not a kind of... And even later in like um, in a lot of the um, cosmological discoveries, there's a lot of like, like observation of... Yeah, well, it was, the, it was the observation that galaxies were moving... That were, that were further away from us, were moving faster. Yeah. Okay, and that was because there was a red shift in the spectrum of their light that was when it reached us. Red shift means that they're moving away from us at a faster rate. You know, so, okay, so we've got Big Bang. Yeah. That's and pretty important. Next one. Anything else? So this is, I think, potentially, I mean, not as, uh, as, as, potentially not as stark a verse, but just as interesting and just as accurate. And the heaven we built with our own powers, and indeed we go on expanding it. Hmm. Okay. Again, very, very strange. In the heaven we built with our own powers, and indeed we go on expanding. And Why now, would the Prophet Muhammad, the seventh century yeah. claimant to religious prophetic Talk, office, talking, talking about the expansion of the universe? Exactly, and the, and the words the, the you can't. It's very difficult to capture the uh, the Arabic in um in the uh, in the translation, but it basically means and indeed we are the expanders. We are or we are expanding. All the we time. we expanders. Which basically means, which, which indicates a, a, an ongoing action now that God is, um, yeah, yeah. this attribute is is continuing. Continuing onwards. So, and the heaven we built with our own powers, and indeed we are expanding it. It's yeah. effectively what it means, which is amazing. Very strange. Yeah. Like, that's not obvious. That's not obvious at all that the universe is expanding, even now it's a very weird thing. Yeah. Right? So why was the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, an unlettered dweller of the 7th century, talking about the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe? Okay, next. Geology. So another fantastic verse. And have we not made the earth a bed? So i.e. a place to rest, place of rest, and the mountains al Jibal as pegs. Okay. So a peg is something that goes into the ground. Yeah. And like a stake for a tent. Like a root. Yeah. Like a yeah, exactly. And and which holds something deep in deep in the earth. Yeah. And you'll see in the next um in the next slide 
that this is from Understanding Earth. I went, it was in uni, I went to the uh, library, got a standard geology textbook to look this stuff up. And this is like, this is, this is Did you have to go through a bunch of geology textbooks before you got to this? Or was this the first one you picked up? No, no, no. Actually, I remember looking at what are standard geology textbooks. Yeah. And then this, it was this. And then I went to the Barton Mountains and I found this. And the next one. You went to the section on mountains. Yeah. And you found this quote. What does it say? This and the next one. So, beneath a mountain range where the crust is thickest, a deep root projects into the mantle and provides buoyancy. Okay. Okay. So, they are are like roots. Okay. So, it's Understanding Earth, Grotzinger, and Jordan. Jordan, Yeah. All right. And then this this is even more. This is incredible. This is incredible. The mountains that you see, you think they are stationary while they are constantly floating like the floating of clouds. Such is the work of Allah who made everything firm and strong. Yeah. Okay. The mount the, the mountains that you see, you think they are stationary. So I see mountains. You do? Yeah. And do you think they're stationary? Yeah, I generally think they're stationary. So that part we can all agree on. Right? While they are constantly floating, like the floating of clouds. That's a bit weird. That's very weird. Yeah. Right? Mountains, they look like they're there. Yeah. And clouds, they float from left to right in the sky. Past the mountains. Yeah. And they 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 drift. Basically, yeah. they're, they're floating and drifting. Yeah. God is here saying in the Quran, or the author of the Quran, let's right. keep it neutral. The author of the Quran <laughs> is for some reason saying that the mountains are floating like the floating of clouds. Yeah. The verse continues. Oh, such is it? the work of Allah who made everything firm and strong. Which is a weird statement to make after saying that things are floating. Because things right. that float they're not firmly and strongly held in a particular position. Yeah. In fact, God in the previous sentences immediately just said, you think they're stationary, they're not stationary. Yeah. And then God is saying, but actually it's God who makes things firm and strong. Yeah. So what's going on here? So how can these things be combined? And this has given previous commentators a lot of difficulty as the, the, um, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, uh, may Allah have mercy on him. He wrote in his book, Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge and Truth. He pointed out that previous commentators thought, okay, maybe this means like, like uh, the end of the world and like the, the mountains are going to go flying off when like everything explodes. Yeah. And he was like, well, that doesn't make sense because God is saying the work of Allah who made everything firm and strong. Yeah. So he's saying they are firm and strong and it's also about the mountains that you see and yeah. they are floating now. Yeah. So there's two ways this can be true. Either the mountains are somehow floating on the surface of the earth yeah. or the whole earth is floating and everything is floating and rotating. Yes. So the clouds, the way that they rotate and, yes. and move, yes. the whole earth is doing that. That's, as far as I can tell, that's, that's the only two logical possibilities. Now, let's look at the reality as we know from modern science. Yeah. The first one, which is what the caliph of the MDMS community he brought out, is that you know, the, the earth is rotating. Yeah. Right? It is rotating and moving. Yes. And this is you know, one of the key ways that this verse can be true. And that's bizarre. Yeah, it's a very strange thing, and it's something you wouldn't guess just from from being on the earth. Certainly, an unlettered, you know, uh, a man who couldn't read or write wouldn't be saying something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. and it'd be of no benefit to him. Why would the Prophet Muhammad talk about this thing? Yeah, like, like it has absolutely no benefit to his mission. Yeah, because the atheistic premise is he was just there for his own for his own self. Yeah, why would he be talking about the Big Bang, the expansion of the universe, and and that mountains are floating? You know, because yeah. it wouldn't have been of any immediate benefit immediate to his benefit at all. No. The second way it could be true is if mountains are literally floating. Let's see what Understanding Earth says in the next slide. As a mountain range forms, it slowly sinks under the force of gravity and the (laughs) continental crust bends downward. When enough of a root bulges into the mantle to provide buoyancy, the mountain range floats. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right, go look that up. Page 630, 2014 edition. Mountain ranges. Grotzinger and Jordan. Understanding Earth. Yeah. Great devotees of Islam. <laughs> um, I mean, that is shocking. That's an amazing... Yeah, the mountain, ra- mountain ranges are literally floating. 
So the Quran is correct on both interpretations. The earth is floating and is moving. So in other words, if the mountain the, is, uh, mountain if is the mountain well. you think is stationary, but it's actually floating, it means either the portion of the earth it's on is floating, or it means the whole earth is floating. And the truth is moving. both. The and truth, the truth is, both. is both. Yes, absolutely. And it can be interpreted in either way. Yeah. And and again, I mean, I think the, the key point to be made here is that, you know, why would the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, be talking about it? Mm. I mean, it's it's random. <laughs> it's random. <laughs> but it's not, it's, well, it's random if you think he, he wrote it. Yeah. Like you'd probably be thinking about, if he wrote it, you'd expect him to have been writing about, you know, things in his interest. Yeah. That I, God has said, give, you know, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. Yeah. You know, the reality is he lived a very austere life, died a very austere, you know, uh, death in a sense. Mm. You know, he had not, not enough food to even produce a good quality bread in his home, his wife Aisha, peace be upon her stead, when he died. And he never ate his fill of his stomach um, more than two days running. Yeah, and right. I don't know how accurate they are, but there are like 3D recreations of the, of the room that he yeah, would have lived nothing. in. There was nothing in it. It was a pot and a bed and that was it. Yeah. Um, at, but, so why would you be talking about this? But if you're the creator of the universe, actually, and the Muhammad Big Bang is, is your vessel. And you're, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is your vessel. The, the Big Bang is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> Expansion of the universe, pretty important. Geology, hmm. right? And the creation of these basic things that are features of massive features of 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 life and have had immense benefit for humankind. Mountains are fundamental to ecosystems, like probably yeah some of the most fundamental things. Tectonic plates and mountains. Really good book called Origins by um, Lewis Darnell talks about how basically the history of Earth is the history of tectonic plates and mountains, effectively. Mm. Right. So I think that covers. Good old Ricky, yeah, and, to a T. And, and he said that if you were to get rid, of, you know, if 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 um if a religious scripture was gone for a thousand years and came back, it'd be irrelevant. Well, let's say the Quran did disappear for a thousand years and you came back and you saw it has this, you'd be like, oh, actually, this is all correct. Yeah, and we only know it's correct now. Yeah, because only modern scientific discovery which has shown this, which is why the Quran is such a miracle. A miracle meaning something which could not have been done without without God. Yeah, which is a, which is an evident sign of God's authorship. Yeah, this indicates that the author of the Quran is the author of the universe, and there are many, many more verses yeah, on this which we which we're there's going loads. to cover. People people will probably be in comments being saying, "What about embryology? Wasn't that proved wrong?" No, not in any way whatsoever. We've got a very large resource coming out on that soon. Maybe it'll be released by the time this is out. Um, which uh, will show that the embryology verses are absolutely correct and incredibly correct and um, are completely verified by the modern imaging and modern science. Awesome. Okay, well, I think that wraps up, wraps up Jim, uh, Ricky, Jimmy, who are we talking about here? Uh, Ricky, Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais for today. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for watching. Do tune in again. You can find more of our content at rationalreligion.co.uk. I don't usually do this outro, so I'm kind of just doing it on the fly. And um, <laughs> that's it from us. So peace be upon you. And don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Um, and we will uh, see you in the comments below and respond, hopefully. Peace be upon you. Peace be on you.